0: So as I mentioned earlier today, we are uh, starting a new sermon series today, and it is called Therefore Go. In this sermon series, we're going to be exploring this little book called Acts of the Apostles. Now as Gray said last week, that if you have spent any time with me, whether in person, whether uh, watching online, whether uh, in Bible study or in sermons, you probably know what the next statement I'm going to say is, that Acts is my favorite book of the Bible. I love the book of Acts because I think that it is so uh, important for us as the church to pay attention to, to listen to, and to understand what the church was meant to be. Because what the church shows us, or what Acts shows us, is the church at its best, where it is focused on Jesus Christ and his mission to go out into the world and to make make disciples and to make a difference. I love the book of Acts. Now, let me be clear here. The church at its best, there are still imperfections. There are still mistakes that are made. But what you'll see if you read the book of Acts, if you journey with us throughout this sermon series, you will see a church that is on fire for Jesus. A church that is bound to make a difference in the world. And a church that is determined to go and tell the world about Jesus Christ. And so this, and the other reason why Acts is my favorite book of the Bible is because, well, we have never been closer to the the Acts church than we are today. The Acts church existed within a time where there were uh, more non-believers than there were believers. Well, today the culture is becoming less and less Christian, so we as a church need to revisit the book of Acts so we can understand how to be a church in our society today so that we are always on the move, always chasing after the mission that God has given us and how we can make a difference in our world. So that's what we're going to be exploring here, and we're going to start in the very first chapter of Acts. But before we dive in, a word to our guests real quick. I would love for you to find one of these Connect cards and fill it out. Uh What we'd love to do here at Sharon is to connect with our guests to help them take their next steps uh, in their faith, in their discipleship, in following Jesus. And so what I would love for you to do is to find this connect card and fill it out. Uh, And in a few moments, we're going to be taking the offering and you can uh, drop that card off in the offering so that we can help you take your next step. So while you do that, I want to invite you to join me in a word of prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, we give you thanks for how you have been present in our worship already. And, Lord, I ask that you would be present in this sermon, that you would speak to us clearly, and that you would call us to go and be your church, to go and mimic what the the Acts Church did so that we can make disciples and to make a difference, so that we can accomplish your mission today. And, Lord, we ask this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. So there was this one pastor who was working with the church. Now this church had been in decline for years and years and years. And so this pastor, she was sitting in the boardroom meeting that they had and she was talking to the leadership of the church about about things that needed to change. And they said all the right things, they being the church. They said that, listen, we want to grow. We are tired of seeing the decline that we have seen. We have lost so many young families over the years. We are so tired of seeing the decline in our church. We want to grow and we are willing to do anything that it takes. And so the pastor, she loved hearing this. She loved uh, hearing all that this group of leaders were saying. And so they began to talk about things that they could change, things that could be a little bit different for their church. And one day, the pastor, she was walking around the church's campus, still fairly new to this church, and she walked into the front doors of the church, much like many of you did in the the back of this sanctuary, you walked in. And what she noticed as she walked in, from a visitor's perspective, is she saw all of these historical artifacts of the church. These historical artifacts lined that welcome area, that narthex area where people gathered. And off to the side of that, what she saw was something that many churches have, a historical room. Now, what she did, she proposed because she had this great idea. She said, listen, I know one way that we can grow our church. Let's take that historical room and move it to somewhere else in the church and make that a nursery for all of the young families that will walk into our church. Because when we make that a nursery, we'll communicate the fact that we are here for young families. We are here for kids. So let's move the historical room somewhere else and move the nursery, which was down in the dungeon of the church, back upstairs where it was clearly visible. And you could probably guess what the reaction of the church was. They said, that's fantastic, pastor. We love your ideas. No. They said, no, we can't do that. Why are you trying to erase our history? Why are you trying to get rid of all of this stuff? Why don't you value the stories that we tell you all the time? Why would you suggest such a thing? You see, this church wanted to grow, but they could not separate themselves from their past. They could not stop worshiping their past. The church loved telling the history of the church, They loved telling the same stories over and over again, but they especially loved reminiscing about the the past of the church with one another. They always talked about going back to the good old days. Within this church, there was this powerful force, all of us are familiar with it, this powerful force of nostalgia. Nostalgia. Nostalgia of the past can halt our progress into the future. It can halt our forward momentum. And when the church's desire for nostalgia and the church's desire for history and the good old days outweighs its passion for the mission, well, churches begin to lose hope and they begin to become more stagnant and they begin to neglect the the mission that the church has been given. As individuals, we get this. We get this idea of nostalgia we get this idea of living in the good old days. We love nostalgia. We love talking about our past. We love telling stories, maybe about our families, about our parents, maybe our grandparents. We love to tell those stories about visiting our grandparents. We love to tell about the smells and and, and all the food that we used to eat. We love to tell the stories of what the community used to be like. We love to tell the stories of how everything used to be slower. We love to tell the stories about how everybody knew everybody within this community. We get it. Nostalgia is a powerful force. Nostalgia is something that is so very strong in our human existence. And the reason why I think it is so very strong is this, is because the past is a place where we can be safe. The past is a place where we can be secure. If we go back to the past, if we dwell in the past, we know what is in the past. We know that existence. We know what was going on in those days. Now, even with a future that's filled with opportunity, that future still has, comes with it uncertainties. It comes with anxieties and uncertainties about what is going to happen. So it is absolutely natural to gravitate towards the past because it is safe and secure, even when the future is filled with hope and opportunities. We love to be historians. We love that nostalgia. We love that safety and security. But then Jesus shows up. Then Jesus shows up and refuses to allow those who follow him to dwell in the past. To simply be just historians telling the same stories over and over and over again. Jesus calls us onward. Jesus calls us to his mission. And that begins here in Acts chapter 1. So this morning, uh, I'm going to read two different passages for you. The first passage I'll read is Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. And then in a little while, I'll read Acts chapter 2. Uh, just so you know, Luke is the author of the book of Acts. And Luke wrote the Gospel of Luke. So this is his second volume. This is his second book. Uh, work that he is distributing among the churches. And so this is what Luke writes to the churches. Starting in verse, chapter 1, verse 1, he writes, In the first book, Theophilus, I wrote about all about Je- what that Jesus did and taught from the very beginning until the day when he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. While staying with them, he ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait there for the promise of the Father. This, he said, is what you have heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, When he had said this, as they were watching, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going, and they were gazing up toward heaven, suddenly two men in white robes stood by them. They said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up toward heaven? This Jesus, who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. This passage uh, is about, it takes place after Jesus' death and resurrection. The resurrected Jesus spends 40 days with his disciples. And he spends these 40 days telling them about the kingdom of God. They're telling him, uh, he's telling them about this new work that is being done. And he spends all of this time uh, talking about what God is about to do. And he spends all of this time coaching them up, talking them through all of this. But before he ascended into heaven, he had this one final conversation with the disciples. And notice what the disciples say. They said, is this the time that you will restore the kingdom to Israel? Is this the time that you will bring back the good old days? Or in another translation, it says it this way. Is this the time that you will restore our kingdom?" Is this the time that you will restore our kingdom to Israel, our past, back to where it was supposed to be? Now, perhaps you can imagine a little bit about how this conversation was going. that The disciples asking Jesus to bring back the good old days. You know, the good old days of Israel when they had a king and when all the people listened to the king and everybody adored the king. They just wanted to go back to those good old days that they once had. They wanted to go back to those days where the kingdom of Israel had this great reputation and everybody gathered to the kingdom of Israel to learn about God. Perhaps in our current vernacular, you could even imagine the disciples saying something along these lines, asking Jesus, Jesus, is this the time that you will make Israel great again? Or is this a part of your build back better program for Israel? Is this all a part of the program so that we can be the empire once again? We can be the person on top and we can go back to the good old days? But Jesus looks at them and says, no, this isn't your job. Your job isn't to worry about going back to the good old days. Your job isn't to worry about going back to that old kingdom. Your job is different. Your job is to wait in Jerusalem for the power of the Holy Spirit in order to be my witnesses. So my bottom line for you today is this. Don't be a historian of the past. Be a witness to God's future. Don't be a historian of the past. Be a witness to God's future. Now, a witness is something that we know about. A witness is something that we use in common language. But for a recap, a witness is somebody that gives testimony to the things that they have seen. A witness is somebody that points to something other than themselves. They don't draw attention to themselves. They point, their, they point the attention away from themselves to something else that is going on, something else that is taking place. And Jesus calls these disciples, these imperfect disciples, these ragtag group of people from Galilee, to go and be witnesses in his new kingdom. He calls these disciples to go and tell the world that Jesus is king. And make no mistake that this task that Jesus gives them, This work that Jesus gives them is bigger than anything that they can do on their own. Even if they put all of their hearts and minds together, they are not going to be able to accomplish this mission, this task by themselves. It's why Jesus then tells them, you are to wait. You are to wait for the power of the Holy Spirit. Wait for the promise of the Father. And what we see a little bit later in Acts chapter 2 is we see the arrival of that Holy Spirit. We see the arrival of that power. And this is what Luke writes in Acts chapter 2 verses 1 through 4. He says this, When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as a fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other language, languages as the Spirit gave them the ability. This is the power of the Holy Spirit at work. This is the power of that empowers the disciples to go throughout the book of Acts, throughout the rest of their lives, to go and turn the world upside down. To go into the world making disciples and baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. To teach everyone what, it, what God is doing all around them. This is the power of the Holy Spirit. To make these disciples into witnesses. This power is an incredible transforming power because this power turns sinners into preachers. It turns redneck Galileans who were uneducated into skilled debaters with those who were much smarter than they were. And it turns these cowards, these cowards that left Jesus to hang on a cross by themselves, left, these, left Jesus Christ and denied that the, he was, had anything to do with them, it turns these cowards into witnesses. Through this Holy Spirit, through this power, the disciples go and tell the world that Jesus Christ is King. They go and heal people who are sick. They go to those who are on the margins and bring them into the fellowship of God. They baptize new believers, and ultimately throughout the Acts of the Apostles what we see is that through this power of the Holy Spirit, they turn the world upside down. Don't be a historian of the past. Be a witness to God's future. When I first got to Sharon about three years ago, someone remarked to me uh, about Sharon. And, and what happens when a new pastor shows up is oftentimes we spend time listening to stories. And a lot of times I heard the same stories over and over again, that I would hear these stories time and again, and, and they would tell me the same thing over and over again. But there was one person that said something to me that stood out to me. They, they took me aside after one Sunday, and they said, listen, preacher, preacher, you are lucky to have this congregation. You are blessed to be a part of Sharon United Methodist Church. Because here's the thing, is that Sharon United Methodist Church is the best kept secret in our community. And this person meant this in the best way possible. They meant, uh, meant it as a compliment. But here's what I walked away from that conversation. Is that the church was never meant to be a secret. The church was never meant to be Hidden, And maybe it is the best kept secret here in this community, but here's the thing, is that Jesus is calling us to let that secret out, to tell others about what God is doing here, that Jesus is calling us to be witnesses within this community. Because here's the thing, here is the absolute thing, is that the community needs us to be witnesses, The community needs us to be people that commit ourselves to go and tell the world that Jesus Christ is Lord. There is there are too many people that are hurting. There is too many times that evil always has the final say. There are too many times where people are dealing without or are living without any hope. That we cannot keep this a secret anymore, but that we must we must hear that call that Jesus gives us to be witnesses and to tell this community what God is doing here in this church and what God is still doing in our world. It is time to let that secret out. And the same task that Jesus gave his disciples, he gives us today. The same task of being witnesses to God's future is the same task that Jesus gives you today. Jesus. Back then and actually, the Apostles called these imperfect, uh, unintelligent disciples to be his witnesses. And you may be thinking that this, this task of being a witness for God is too much for you. You don't know the Bible as well as you should. You don't know all the answers the way that you would like. You're not smart enough. You haven't been Christian long enough. You've been outside of the church for far too long. You are resisting that call to be a witness because you are imperfect and that you don't feel like you can do anything for God. But God is still calling you. Because in our weaknesses, in our imperfections, that is how God brings about something beautiful and something new. Today, God calls you, yes, you, to be a witness for him. Now imagine if we were to embrace this call to be witnesses to reject the call of simply being historians of the past, imagine the new stories that we could tell. Imagine the new stories that we could tell of those uh, that, that single parent that wanders in who's been estranged from her family, from their family, and walks in with their kids just trying to find a place where they can find community and where their kids can grow up knowing that they are loved and cherished. Imagine the story that that person could tell if we were to be a witness to that person where they would come to the church and they would find that there are plenty of people willing to adopt them into their fellowship. And there are plenty of grandparents and great-grandparents willing to add a couple more grandchildren to their uh, card list that they send out all the time. Imagine that single parent coming here. Imagine that neighbor that you have invited time and time again to be a part of this church who continues to reject everything, and that neighbor who hates the church, who hates God, who even sometimes even hates you for all that you are doing and all that you stand for. Imagine that they show up one time, maybe to church, maybe to worship, maybe to an event that we have, and all of a sudden God begins to work in them and they begin to see that God has not given up on them. Imagine that story that we could tell if only we committed ourselves to being witnesses. Imagine the stories that we could tell of addicts showing up who have hit rock bottom, just simply trying to find a place where they can be loved and where they can take the next steps out of their addiction and into a life of shalom, into a life of peace, where they are fully embraced by a congregation and a church. Imagine that story of the addict. Imagine that couple who has shown up, whose marriage is on the brink of divorce, who is almost at that point where they are about to call the lawyers in, and because they're giving up, they're, they've had enough of one another, but they show up one Sunday to give it one final shot. And they show up to the church Where they understand that the people of the church aren't perfect, but the people of the church also have their imperfections. And that those who have struggled with marriage and who have made the best of their marriage can walk alongside this couple. They can pray with this couple. They can eat with this couple. And they can disciple this couple in order that their marriage might be saved. Imagine the new stories that we could tell if we committed ourselves to being witnesses. Witnesses for God in our community. Church, don't be a historian of the past. Be a witness to God's future. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.